start dancing <laughs> then I realize how douchey I look I can't help it uh, you forget that people are watching including you Jeremy and the wonderful I'm gonna take this off without doing any of that little fade out or anything can you still hear it okay I could nope, still hear it. I don't know why it's still playing for me oh I got it here we go hey folks thanks for joining the 21 gun podcast Soup sandwich number four. Jeremy, I thought this was five for the longest time. And you're going to see me again. I talked about this last time. I got to look straight and not down. The problem is all my notes are down there. So it's 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 going to be crazy. So I'm going to do the best I can. That's why it's great to have an extra screen or something like right in front. I know. Of I know. So if anyone wants to donate a extra large screen to the Wait, What? It, no, the 21 Gun Podcast. <laughs> Funny how I bring that up. Uh, I used to do a podcast called Wait, What If? It was an awesome show. In fact, I, I don't know what it was. Something I just started going through my old um, episodes and I forgot how really good it was. So if you want to check out kind of uh, I had a lot of Joe Rogan's old guests, interestingly enough, um, it was it was just kind of like a little experiment. And the next, thing you know, it like took off and it was a lot of fun. And I had a lot of friends that would come on and it was good times. But it was called Wait, What If? And so for four years, I would say, welcome to the Wait, What If? podcast. And then I had to switch to welcome to the 21 Gun podcast. And now I'm trying to switch to the the soup sandwich podcast so there's a little background there just jeremy how's it going it's good man just got back from visiting a couple friends in a yeah. uh, remote location <laughs> hey I had a good you had a good weekend <laughs> yeah. videos were made videos were made i uh consulted my doctor you and uh and got my advice of getting some medical treatment but uh, yeah, I'm alive. <laughs> That's good. That's good. And uh, I would find out whoever has that video. It's not get get your minds out of the gutter, everybody. Um, but I would That's advise you to video. destroy it. Um, probably shred that. Uh, I don't know what else you do to to what's it like? Uh, what do they call it when you get rid of your hard drive? Bleach it? Do whatever? Yeah, I would get rid Wipe of it. Wipe your drive. You never know. You never know. Uh, except I think once you do, once you text it to people, I think it's just gone. It's in the, the interwebs. Well, yeah, there's certain things you can share. There are certain things you don't. It just depends on who you trust. That's true. That's true. Which is why I haven't put it on my Instagram. Uh, oh, we, have, <laughs> we have to do our disclaimer. The views of the 21 gun. I'm sorry. The views of 21 guns. The soup sandwiches hosts Kevin Sullivan, Jeremy Walton, and all subsequent guests are strictly the opinions of the individual and do not represent an official position of any previous or future guests of the show or associated organizations. Everything stated during this episode is be taken at face value as an open discussion and opinion. So this is an opinion show. And I recommend you as a listener, if you hear anything from us, go check it out yourself, do your own research, and don't say, Kevin told me that this is how things are. Um, Please don't. That is basically it. So with that, it, uh, I guess now we can officially begin the fourth installment of 
soup sandwich soup sandwich let's go tonight's episode is i <laughs> i i grew up in the 80s so we had specials uh, i don't know you're only a few years younger than me you might remember this back when there was only 35. tv you you couldn't watch cartoons at eight o'clock on a monday you had to no. it, unless it was a special right it was so like you knew weeks ahead of time that oh there's going to be a special on uh i don't know wednesday night at seven or something it was cool TV to watch guy. cartoons Yes, TV that's guy. the TV guy, a piece of paper. Um, Jesus, we sound like World War II veterans waxing <laughs> philosophical here. But the point of that is they used to, like when I used to watch uh, Different Strokes and um, I'm trying to think of some of the other ones, uh, Family Ties, all that stuff. Uh, yeah, they, always had, they always had a very special episode. It was always someone who was getting caught using drugs or the Different Strokes one, some pedophile snatched up Arnold and and dudley remember this and he was taking pictures it's creepy yeah yeah um, i remember that it's weird that they called it uh you know stroke uh, strokes was not the word we should use for that <laughs> different strokes great show loved that show um so yeah this is a very special it's just a it's gonna I'm, we're gonna try to keep it light but we're gonna be talking about some some serious stuff uh most notably alcohol and substance abuse and and we're not i mean it's not gonna be preachy we're not gonna be here hey um but it's like all the questions that that you would have as far as addressing uh, someone that may have. So I was thinking before we bring them on, our, our guests, um, I was thinking like, here's here's the the simplest one. Cause I have friends who are in recovery and, and all that. And it, how do I explain this? You feel kind of funny, you know, hammering back bourbons when you're hanging out with your friends who are in recovery. And I know, I know that's, that's, they usually say, well, it's not your problem. It's my problem. And, and, you know, but it's still, it's one of those things. What do you think about that? Honestly? So for me, when someone says, Hey man, I've, I'm recovering from any kind of substance abuse, whether it be any kind of hard or soft drug or even alcohol. Um, I try to do my best to not put them in an uncomfortable situation. Even if they say they're not, Hey man, I, I haven't had a drop in one, two, 10, 20 years, especially those who are with, they were recently trying to stop. I will do my best to not try to have an alcoholic beverage or something around them. Or if I was in a legal state to consume other substances that are illegal in some other states, I'd try not to put them in that situation to give them any kind of either temptation or desire to want to go back. It's a, it's a respect thing. You try not to do that. Cause if, you know, if I'm a recovering sex addict, you're not going to take me to a strip club. Yeah, I, guess I mean, I'm right. okay with you do, but or uh, swingers or G. Yeah. I don't think you would do that. Um, there was a guy, I think he was on the Joe Rogan podcast. I wish I remembered his name because I think of it every now and then. And I think how crazy of a, of a recovery program it sounded like, but he had this program where he actually encouraged his people to go to bars, um, and to drink, which, um, we'll ask our, our guests coming on about that. Like his idea was, you know, getting the, Get, uh, getting all the triggering causes, the underlying causes of why this person is, uh, uh, you know, using substances and, and addressing those and taking the power away from the substance. And so is it like more like exposure therapy? I guess so. The whole idea is to go out and have like one beer and then you check in and then you do it again. And um, I don't remember the name of the guy, but we'll, we'll obviously ask him about that. So, yeah, I think it'll be an interesting I think it'll be an interesting conversation tonight, to say the least. Oh, and our guests are. Um, the, Molly's got like 16 names. Molly Anthony Domek Hernandez. I'll just call Molly. Molly's going to be on. Molly. I say Molly. Molly? Molly. No, no Molly's a drug. <laughs> and Andrew Ferrer. is also going to be coming on. The Scottish man. So 
Uh, let's just see. I just want to make sure if there's anything we have to bring up uh, previous to us bringing on our guests. We went to, I went to my first hike uh, this year. I have to preface that this year um, at, at Raleigh couple weeks ago and i think i brought this up on monday so i just we just put out a a one-on-one -on -one interview show which i like to get yep. out uh every other week and this one was with check it out it's with um greg gonthier who is a air force security forces elite guard so yes the air force have elite soldiers this is a true thing and uh he he was um yeah elite guard and he got picked up by general schwarzkopf to be his his uh his head of security really cool uh, episode the reason why i bring that up is because i feel like i talked about the raleigh hike already even though we're just doing this now but it was during that episode kind so. of yes so great hike anyways uh you guys put on a really good show if you're watching this or listening to this or however you're getting this episode and you haven't been to a hike yet head over to reverendwarriors.com uh you'll see the, all the lists of all the hikes click on there register for one because uh it's it's like when you're i had been away from it for most of a year it's like 10 months quite a while and, man yeah yeah and then going there it was like whew. i mean it, it was i i did a, a few interviews Excuse me. I did a few interviews and um, I'm going to be putting out a show with that, the Charlotte show and then um, the Philadelphia show coming up. Uh, but most of the time I just put it down. I was like, I got to just enjoy my friends and uh, got to talk to a lot of people that I actually only talked to via Facebook and, and you know, um, uh, social media like Frank Easterling. I, I feel like I've known that guy yeah. for five years, but I've never met him uh, face to face. Uh, I'm trying to think who else? Who else? Uh, Matt Reeves, um, name that comes up a lot because uh, mm -hmm. he's always face FaceTime. Dude, I sound like such an old man. He's always social right. media-ing me. Um, same thing. Got to hang out with him a little bit. Um, uh, uh, is it Romero? I can't remember his first name. God Jacob damn it. Romero. Jacob Romero. He's the uh, videographer, right? Or am I thinking the wrong guy? Jacob from Texas. Big old, yeah. long, flowy, wavy hair. Yeah, no. He, he's, I, we call I, him Maui. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. What? No, no, I don't know. Maybe we'll see. Uh, I, I can't remember. I'm no, I'm thinking the other guy. I'm sorry, man. He does the movies and I'm just drawing a blank. The movies. Uh, uh yeah, he's doing the, um, the, the documentary documentary, uh, Ronnie, for... Ronnie. Thank you. Ronnie. What's Ronnie's last name? Let's dox him. What's his last name? Oh, I'm about to find out right now. I had, it on... I think it's something along <laughs> of Romero. He's probably yelling, you're racist at, at my, oh, at my no. screen right now. He's going to kill it's, me. Uh, Ronnie. Gonzalez Fernandez. Gonzalez Hernandez. It's like Romero. Fernandez. Not, not Hernandez. <laughs> not at all. Okay. Uh, who else? There was another guy I want to give a shout out to. Uh, Kyle Page. Nice guy. Met him yeah. uh, as well. And uh, I mean, there was a bunch out there. So had a lot of good fun. And, and this other guy, I'd never met him. Uh, he's got a difficult last name, but he was walking in the front with us. Uh, beard, long hair, big guy. Leon Carthage. Yes. How do you say it? Carthage. 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 Uh, he's gonna yeah. kill me because I've known him for a while. Oh man, he's like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> so yeah, like, motherfucker. <laughs> it was a fantastic time. Uh, really, thank you guys for putting on the Raleigh hike. I'm going to be in Appreciate Texas for the Jacksonville hike. What? Wait, in Texas for the Jacksonville Texas? hike? Yes. I don't know what I'm going to be doing down there. I have no idea. 10 acres mean, in a... <laughs> there's the, a Jacksonville, Texas? Let's just say there might be a 21-gun ranch at some point. Wouldn't that be awesome? That'd Wait a minute. Cool. This is... I just... This thought just came to my head right now, and I think I really <laughs> like it. 
21 gun ranch and it can be like the the black rifle coffee ranch except better oh we'll move on from that all right Jacksonville, texas oh it is hey no it's jacksonville Jacksonville, North you Carolina. I was you joking. said Texas. You said no, no, no. Okay, no. I said I said I'm going to be. I said I'm going to be in Texas. Okay. So I won't be in Jacksonville, North Carolina, which is in a uh, next week, something like that. Why don't you do that? You catch everyone up on what the new hikes are going to be. All right. So uh, upcoming hikes, which I had that ready, thankfully. Uh, you have coming up for September 5th would be Jacksonville, North Carolina, Cedar Falls, Indiana. I don't. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> when you see the I, yeah. I, 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 yeah. Iowa. Is that Iowa? I, oh fuck. My fuck me. Indiana would be I N. Oh yeah. <laughs> Iowa. Iowa. Yep. Um <laughs> and then you have Seattle and Nashville. Seattle and Nashville, Tennessee. That's, that's Washington. Uh, Tennessee. You have Seattle, Washington, Nashville, Tennessee. September nineteenth, we have four Minneapolis, Minnesota, Norwich, Connecticut, Savannah, Georgia, and Spokane, Washington. We should we should have someone on from the uh, Tennessee hike coming up. That would be a, a nice thing to do. Oh, Who knows? Man. Maybe maybe someday we'll we'll schedule someone. That'd be awesome. And real quick, I know some people are in the chat too. Um, some of them who are veterans and guys I even served with. So Travis Herco is, and when you he asked me, when are you going to have me on? Uh, so anybody does ask to be on, Kevin has posted previously that just shoot him an email if it's a relevant topic, we'll bring you on. Kevin at 21gun.net. Um, just spell it out, 21gun.net. And yeah, I, I have a lot, believe it or not, I have a list of people that are going to come on because there's, like I said, there's two shows. There's the one-on-one, -on -one, which is usually, like if you wrote a book or made a movie or something, I can get a good hour of, of uh, um, stuff out of that. Um, but if, you know, if you got a VSO or something that you want to share with the Reverend Warriors, then yeah, we'll get you on here. Just like we're about to get our next guests on. Oh yeah, sorry, go through the, um, the comments too. Or is that all we yeah. got? Uh, so uh, Nick David wants to know if we're shooting next weekend. <laughs> or this weekend, rather. For shooting? Oh, shooting. Yes. Would love to. Uh, I don't know if I'll be in town, but maybe. That'd be great. All right. Let's bring on our guest. We have Andrew Ferrara. Ferrara. Hey, guys. We have Ma Mally. Mally. Molly. See, I would say Malachi. Malachi. I'm <laughs> <laughs> just trying to shoehorn it so it works. It works out. All right, who's barking? I took my, my dog. dog out of the room. I took my dog. Uh, All right, hold on. I said Amscray. Hey. All right, it's good. Steve. No, Steve's gone. All right, so uh, obviously our topic of discussion is substance abuse and recovery, and I'm sure you both have uh, stories. I, I don't know who, who wants to begin, who wants to, you know, kind of say, hey, th this is how I recognize that I had an issue and this is the uh, recovery process. Go ahead, Andrew. No, you want to go ahead, or do you want me to start? You can go ahead. Start. Um, I'm Andrew Farr. I'm an alcoholic. Um, I'm the regional coordinator for Tennessee. Um, I've been sober for about 753 days. Good for you, man. That's good. That's two years, right? Am I doing the math right? Uh, it is. It, uh, awesome. Two years, uh, July 31st. Awesome. Congrats awesome. to you, man. And then uh, how about you, Mally? Mally, god damn it. <laughs> how about you, Tony? <laughs> uh, let's see. <clears throat> Substance abuse, obviously. Um, I actually don't really classify myself as an alcoholic. It's pretty much everything else. Uh, if they say take one ibuprofen, I'm taking three. That's the type of guy I am. Um, I've been sober for 
Um, coming up on 17 months, and I just drew a huge blank. <laughs> um, it's oh, okay. Tidy date. Um, let's see. I have I have it right here because I have a terrible memory. Um, I know I have 17 months, but I have 484 days today. So that's yeah. Oh <laughs> man. Good job. Um, from methamphetamine. Um, I've been sober since April 15th of 2014 from heroin. Um, so that was then. This is now. So, yeah. When when I ask questions, um, I guess do you know what I'll do just so we're not talking over each other? I'll just kind of I'll say Molly or I'll say Andrew um, as far as this one goes. So we'll start with Andrew and then I want to get Molly's uh, take on this. So, um it, obviously you're an alcoholic and Mally said that he's, he's, you know, falls in more line of the uh, substance abuse. Is, is it one in the same? Uh, no. is, there, is there a different path that you have to follow to, to uh, weave your way out of it? Well, not really. Um, for Alcoholics Anonymous, obviously is, is dealing with alcohol. Um, the other groups are NA um, basically, um, they have the same format. It's just they say different things. Um, 12 steps, sponsors, sponsees, um, but no, yeah, Narcotics Anonymous uh, is different. But they, they all have the same underlying structure uh, for a group. Okay. And my, uh, man, I'm just going to say Molly. That's just, uh, Molly, it's my, just say my, Molly. It's my mass. It's my mass. Oh, Ryan. <laughs> or Ryan. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I do actually the N or the AA program, not the NA program. Um, okay. So I grew up in NA with my mom, who's also a recovering addict. Um, but you know, it is twelve steps. Same thing. Um, the thing is with me is more of I, I came to realize that when I drink, I tend to do other things too, and those other things lead to other things. So I would class myself as an alcoholic in a meeting because that's out of respect, but. Um, I wouldn't say there's a different path. Um, I would say the path that we lead might lead to different things. Um, whereas an alcoholic, alcohol has a terrible effect on your body. Um, yes, it does. Than any other drug. Um, alcohol will kill you faster than any other drug. Uh, well, yep. excuse me for saying that. Uh, no, it's true. And the will kill you faster, but but it will mess you up worse than any other drug will. And the withdrawal, um, you know, they always say that. are bad, man. Yeah, that'll kill you versus uh, if, you know, you're withdrawn from heroin, you're just going to go through a lot of misery, but um, right. not fatal. Yeah, DTs are, are very, very fatal. Kevin, I actually, uh, when I first got sober, I, I was going through sweats, uh, shakes. The delirium tremens are not not good to have. It's uh, it, it feels like your life is like about, you're about to leave and about to right. say goodnight and Says, you know, go upstairs. The uh, the Irish, <laughs> the Irish and the Scottish have a, a name for that. It's called the terrors. No, no, no. It's called the horrors. Uh, <laughs> and and literally, it's drinking is so much in their culture that the the uh, I guess it would be almost a level of hallucination and withdrawal um, that they they literally live through horrors for about four hours between like two a.m. and six a.m. Um, 
don't ask me how I know that, but uh, yeah, something a little cultural there. Let's talk about that culture wise. Um, do you find, I don't know how you guys were raised or anything. It sounded like, uh, or you said, uh, Molly, that you had a, a, your mom was an addict. Um, is this, I guess, give me what your thoughts are between it being nurturing versus it being um, uh, genetic predisposition. And I'm asking me Mally. Or Andrew. Uh, Mally. Okay. Um, for me personally, I think, and this is, this is strictly my opinion. So let me put that out there first, but I think that a lot of people want to say, Oh, it's my mom's fault because she did this or, Oh, it's this person's fault because they did this. And that's not the case, right? My no. mom didn't say go out there and do drugs. My mom right. pretty much told me don't do drugs. It's a terrible life to live, but you know, we all have to make our own path. So she would say, don't, don't do drugs. And I don't believe it's a genetic disposition. I think people use it as a cop out kind of, like I said, that's my personal opinion. Um, that may be scientifically proven one day, but as of right now, guess what? No one held a gun to my head and said, do drugs. No one said, Oh, because your mother's an addict that you're going to be an addict. Okay. Yeah. Well, there's, I mean, we always talk about an addictive personality and I, I fully believe that some people do have that addictive personality and, and maybe that's because they're trying to self-medicate something they're not dealing with. Maybe, maybe it's not an addictive personality. Maybe it's just, they have the penchant to want to tamp down something that they don't want to face versus someone who like my dad, my dad shattered his wrist and they gave him a Percocet and he took it and he's like, that was the worst thing I ever took. Me, I went to have a root canal. They hooked me up to the laughing gas and gave me Xanax. And I was like, whoo, this party, this is, <laughs> this is awesome. <laughs> and, we, and I've spoken very openly about things that I'm trying to tamp down. So, so I don't know. Uh, Andrew, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, my dad was a drunk. Uh, he was a lieutenant commander in the Navy from uh, 67 to 69, psychiatrist. And um, he definitely had a drinking problem. He actually got kicked out of uh, his first medical school because he was drinking so much. And I do believe that it is uh, somewhat genetic. Um, my dad, my granddad, my whole family um, on my dad's side were big drinkers. And I saw, you know, and, but it's also influenced too. Like I saw, like I was given alcohol at eight years old. Um, every Christmas, every New Year's, I was given wine to drink at the table. Like that kind of helped. Um, and so, I mean, I just went in and out of drinking, like college I was drinking, Marine Corps I was drinking. I have two DUIs. I mean, um, I really I, I really know for a fact that I have a problem. If I have another sip of alcohol, it will lead to my death. Because of the, the I, I, would it be like a domino effect? If you have one more drink, boom, uh, you know where it's heading? I, I like to say this. Um, okay, I'm going to ask this question. How many Cokes? Okay, you have a, 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 like 12 Cokes lined up. Um, how many do you think you can drink before you get sick? Uh, one. I don't go near sugar. Look at this guy. With how many, Jeremy? <laughs> I can go through a 24-pack in like a full night. <laughs> okay, well, Are you uh, serious? say we add rum to that. I'm going to drink every single one of those before they're done, and I'm going to look for more, or... I'm going to black out before, you know, it's all done. I mean, that's, I was a blackout drunk. I learned how to drink really hard in college when I was on the rowing team. Um, I, I drank in boarding school. I drank, I actually got NJP'd for drinking in the Marine Corps in Iraq because 
my cousin sent me a Listerine bottle filled with Jack Daniels. That's how every part of my life has been. Alcohol has been there and has dragged me down. So alcohol is not not a good thing for me at all. And it's, it sounds like it is partly that cultural thing. I mean, if you're starting at eight, uh, it sounds like it was, I mean, it, your, your dad was obviously a, a medical doctor. It's not like he's going to, Hey, you have some booze, but what, what, you know, why were you drinking at eight? What, what did that have? That's a funny there? story. Um, the first time I drank, um, I was, uh, with my, my parents, um, and we had bourbon with a very famous, um, Southern, uh, author. His name is Andrew Lytle. Um, he lives up uh, about an hour and a half from me after he died. But my parents thought it was cool for me and my brother to have a little bit of bourbon. And that started the path of like, oh, man, I really like alcohol. And I think I'm going to continue drinking this until somebody says otherwise. Okay. I kind of feel uh, that. My, uh, my family was big into drinking, including my mother. And I started drinking alcohol at nine years old. My Same first though. one was a, a Zima and a Jolly Rancher and then some whiskey. Zima. Oh, my God. I haven't seen that since I was 21. Uh, and that was that was my first time. And then it was just downhill from there and drinking through high school. So I, I, I kind of get it. So we all know, uh, I mean, go anywhere. Go to uh, a, a hike. Go anywhere. Go to a pre-party. People are going to be drinking, right? And, and we know our friends who tend to go overboard. Um, at, at what point is it? You like to party and you go, you go a little hard to where, no, this is a problem. Get your shit together. Because the people that I see who, who tend to drink too much and, and they're the same people, you know, I'm not going to lie. I see a lot of the same people that do it. I don't know. Maybe this is just the way they are at, you know, cause I only see them in one situation, but if they're doing this at work, yeah. Okay. Maybe there could be a problem there or they're supposed to be taking care of their kids and they're this uh, inebriated. You know what I mean? So where is it a problem? When you reach your downward spiral of your life, um, when like, okay, um, I'll give you a two years ago. I, uh, I went out, I went drinking. We got, I had just gotten married and, um, my wife went to work. I went, got a six pack of angry orchard. Then I got two bottles of wine. Then I went to the VFW and I drank 18 tall boys in a four hour period. Um, and I drove home. Um, actually the commander saw me go to my car and actually leave, which he should have stopped me or should have said something, but it was my fault. I drank, I drove and my wife had to pick me up from jail the next day. And which that was probably the roughest time I'd in my entire life. It was embarrassing. I, uh, after that, I didn't even leave my house for two weeks. Um, and then I joined veterans treatment court and, uh, it was an 18 month program, uh, finished a month early, actually just graduated February 19th. Um, I bought a house, um, and life was really good. Like I've turned, my credit was, went from like a four thirty to a six thirty. Like I'm actually, you know, I'm part of the VFW. I'm part of the Marine Corps league. I'm part of the Rebel warriors. I do so much stuff in my life now. I, I, there's no way in hell I could have done this stuff if I was drunk. Hell no. I couldn't even get to coordinate Nashville unless I was six months sober. And that was that was from Cindy. Cindy said, you have to be six months sober if I'm going to give you this hike. Wow. Uh, and about- I did. And, and I, you know, I've stayed sober since. And 
I don't feel like drinking ever again. I Now, I can't say I'm never going to drink again because that's a lie. You have no idea, but I'm just not going to drink today. Okay. Now, is that something that you guys say in Alcoholics Anonymous? Or are you like, to me, if if another drink would lead to your death, it it's it seems like an open-ended thing. Like, I don't, what's the thought process of right. saying that I'm not going to... That's a that's an AA saying. Like think, okay. think, think. First things first. Um, I mean, I'm not trying to get into a, a meeting or anything like that. But you know, for two years, I, you hear you go to these meetings, you get a sponsor, you work the steps, you 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 know, you change your life basically. Right. So one uh, interesting thing I'll bring up real quick, Solly, is like you said, uh, you know, about living and stuff like that. Like before. Uh, I didn't have any intentions on wanting to live, but I was just, this is going to sound really bad, but I'm just going to be honest with you. Like I tried to kill myself every day. I, I was hoping that, that, that one would, would kill me. And that's the part where the mental health comes in for me is like, I didn't know how to live. I didn't know how to pay bills. Like Andrew said, I had like a 450 credit score. My credit score went up like 60 points a couple of days ago, but Woo! you know, I did. Yeah. I didn't nice. know how to live. Um, I had no clue how to pay bills. <laughs> I mean, I understood what bills were, but you know, when I was getting messed up, it was like, oh, that bill can wait. Well, you know, today I have two kids that are better responsible. Exactly. For. Um, I have all this stuff. See, if I was getting high, I, I wouldn't care. I wouldn't care about two kids. I wouldn't care about a house. Oh, I can live on the streets for free. Okay. I can go here and live for free. Okay. You know, um, I left my house. Let's see when I was 16. Um, well, actually when I was 14, I left my parents' house and then, uh, back and forth, but my senior year of high school, I didn't go to 11th grade. Um, I sold drugs in 11th grade, never went my 12th grade year. I came back to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I joined the Marine Corps, uh, and I left. And so I don't know, I guess it's part of it. And just to, uh, say this too, a disclaimer, uh, but I'm one of <clears throat> I'm one of Chesty's Marines for sure. Hurrah, I, have, uh, I have two NJPs for underage drinking. <laughs> nice, that's classy, yeah. man. Yep, two under uh, underage drinkings. Yep. When when did you uh, recognize that it was a problem? And, and again, I ask this because I think a lot of people. Um, it, it's ironic because about I don't know a few days ago, I, I, I guess it was last weekend. I was on Facebook and. Um, someone that I had known in the military was posting these, these videos and maybe he's watching. I don't know, but, uh, and they were, I could tell right off the bat. I mean, this, he was stoned off his ass. I, I have no idea on what, I don't know if he was drunk or pills or what the deal is. Um, well, actually he told me, so I know, <laughs> I know it is now, but then I, I, I was like, what do I do? Right. Cause as, as a veteran and as a veteran advocate, especially veteran advocate for mental health and reducing suicide, I can't just be like, Oh, this guy's a drug addict and you know we, we have our biases about people who are drug addicts because we feel like that they have to want to recover before we do anything but then you also don't want to be that person that is like let me help you let me help you because from what i understand and, and i've actually been lucky enough not to be in this position but uh if a drug addict does not want help but you are enabling them by helping out in some sort of way you're, you're actually making the problem worse yep um, very true so what I uh, basically let's let's talk about that, uh, Mally. Like, what yeah. can I do as a person who who identifies a friend that might be in some trouble? So for me, um, this is what I do, and this is going to sound different maybe than everybody else. But um, 
obviously I don't judge anybody. Um, that's my biggest thing is, you know what, I, I'll listen to your story and you can tell me what's going on. And I have no judgment. I've been homeless. I've been a drug addict. There's nothing really further than that for me. But, um, you know, if I notice somebody, um, the first thing I can do is I can always have, if someone reaches out to me and says, Hey, you know, I have a, a, a I have a drinking problem or I have a drug problem. Um, my first thing I ask them is, do you want help? You know, and if they don't, then that's fine. And, and that's no skin off my back. But, you know, if they say I want help, I'm going to try to get them as much help as possible, um, get them into treatment or, um, you know, have them go to a meeting. But um, if I was just a normal everyday person, let's say enabling, you said enabling is a big thing. So uh, I'm going to put some personal stuff out there, but I'll just say this. So I have a friend and um, he is a drug addict and his his uh, parents really spoil him and they give him money and they buy him cars and stuff like that. And I just don't understand. And his parents are in recovery and they should understand, but they don't. So enabling could be anything from, you know, money is a big enabler. Hey, you know, Oh, I didn't pay my cell phone bill. Da, 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 da. I didn't pay this bill. Can you help me with that? Um, so those are some signs you want to recognize. If someone borrows money from you and never pays you back that says they're going to pay you back. And you used to know them as, this person that paid you back before, there might be something wrong. But, um, you know, those are the things I look for. If someone reaches out for help, hey, plant a seed. Hey, I got a great friend, uh, Mally or Andrew or whoever's in recovery. Hey, um, you know, can I get you hooked up with them? And I've had a lot of veterans come my way that way. Um, you know, I'm here all the time, 24-7, 366. My phone is always on. Um, I deal with a lot of stuff. I'm on the USMC Vets help group. Um, obviously reverent warriors. Uh, I'm a sponsor. I have sponsees that call me. Um, I have a sponsor <laughs> that I need to talk to. I have people in the program that reach out. Um, so for me to help them, the biggest thing is, you know, you did say, do they want help? You know, and a lot of people have a moment of clarity where they want help, but then they get in this cycle of guilt, remorse, and shame. Yep. Right. So they do it over and over and over again. You start to say, Hey man, I, I reached my hand out to you and, and you burned me. And so you get upset and you get a resentment. But for me, I had to let that go. And I had to realize, you know what? They're a sick person and um, I can't hold my resentments against them. Their, their recovery is their, is their problem. But you know, as far as helping them, I can always point them in the right direction or at least give them a little bit of guidance or send them somebody's way. Um, that's the best way to help somebody is to, is to send them somebody else's way, not through money, not through letting them stay at your house or crash no. on your couch. That's not going to help them. Uh, they're going to keep doing it and doing it, and doing it. You're going to get used and you're going to get hurt and you're going to feel some type of way about it. And instead of doing that, the easiest route is just reach out to people that you know, that are in recovery. Even that yeah. little bit of support helps, man. It's, it's yeah. getting that out there. It's instead of, you know, getting mad at them for making bad decisions, even though if it, even if it is affecting them or not even affecting you, it's having that ability to help save a life and not just through suicide, but through alcohol and drug prevention, you know, just to get them back on a, on a stable path. Um, I, I have no idea what it's like to be truly be an addict. Um, but I, even when I got out of the military, all I did was drink. It's all I cared about. I didn't care about eating, didn't care about hanging out with friends. Even while I almost didn't care about my daughter because alcohol was the one way to cope with everything. Yep. I was fortunate enough and I'm not, not to sound like a dick. Um, I didn't have to go through meetings. I was able to identify that I was going through these issues on top of that with having a child going, dad, you're not being you. That's a hard thing to take. And it was, 
that was my big wake up call to stop. So I didn't end up in a dead in a ditch or God forbid somebody having to kick my door in and I've overdosed. So um, it, the best thing I've known was just to reach out just to help and support them. And, and yep. like, like Molly said, point them in the right direction. Even if it's not your business, point them in the right direction. That's, that's the best we can do. How about, so um, I like to use the term self-medicate because I mean, we all know what that is and we use it in medicine a lot, but I mean, I, personally, since we're all, we're all going in, down this, this path here, but personally, when I first got out, I was dealing with my uh, PTSD at the time and TBI symptoms, um, the sleeplessness, the anxiety, all that stuff. Uh, absolutely. In fact, it, it's part of the Air Force culture to to self-medicate at the end of a bad mission or a, you know, a mission that's, that makes you sweat a little bit. Um, you self, I mean, we had bars in our squadron, right? The culture was there. Hey, good flight today, man. Good save. Let's have a bourbon and let's have a beer and then we'll, we'll debrief. Um, so that kind of gets ingrained. Okay. Um, shit isn't cool right now. I feel anxious. Let's kind of tamp that down with a little bit of, of alcohol. Um, now here's, and this is kind of what I was getting at before, and I'm going to have um, Andrew answer this time. At what point, right? So I, I identified that it was a problem. I also identified that when I stopped taking the medicine that the VA took me or gave me, I was having withdrawal symptoms. And both of those things, the self-medicating and identifying withdrawal symptoms was like, whoa, I got to back off on all this stuff. I'm not going down that path. Um, Again, where, where is it that you can identify that a person should identify, let's say, with drinking, something where they're maybe self-medicating, but it's not, it, it's not self-destructive versus something that is more of a, a self-destructive in nature? Well, um, basically, I mean, if you're not taking care of yourself, if you're not taking care of your everyday things, then and, and alcohol is your only way, then that's a problem. And I, you know what? And sometimes we don't even see that. Um, it took me... You know how many white, I, you know, um, I'm going to say this. Uh, when we go into AA for the first time, we get a white chip. It says, it's our oath. It's, it's our pledge. We're not going to drink again. I have a drawer <clears throat> filled with white chips. I have tried and tried and tried. Um, the definition of crazy is doing something over and over again and expecting the different result. That is not going to happen. Um, I tried. I was like, I tried to to drink beer and then drink water right after my glass of beer. I tried, you know, hard stuff instead of beer. I tried wine instead of that. It just, it would never, um, I could never control my drinking. Um, and it always got out of control. It always caused me pain. It, it, I almost lost my family um, a couple times. Um, it's, there's, it, I don't know. It's just, um, it, unless you, you know, like I said, unless you go down to your downward spiral and like you're you're in your you're looking for change in your couch just to, so you can eat because you spent so much money on booze. You can't pay your rent or this and this and this. It's um, it's it takes a lot uh, to actually say, hey, maybe I need help. Um, when I went to jail. For my second DUI. And having my wife pick me up, it was by far the worst thing in my life that had ever happened. I, I just married this beautiful woman who actually likes me, and I, I messed up. And, um, you know, it's, um, it's taken a little bit to get her trust back, but 
um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm doing the good thing. I'm, I'm pushing forward. I'm, I'm being a sponsor myself. I, I have sponsees, um, you know, and I try and take care of my, my day-to-day problems. Um, but I know that I'm just, you know, every day I've got this app on my phone and I make a pledge not to drink every day. Um, and it's, I don't know, I just being sober, I should have done this a long time ago because I can actually get like a lot of shit done. Uh, before, like Mally said, you don't care about the little things. You don't care about this bill. You don't care about the car payment. You don't care about, I mean, I didn't have it, you know, I don't have any children uh, like Jeremy. Um, uh, but, you know, you, you forget about the little stuff. You're like, ah, I'll get to it tomorrow. I'm going to get, I'm going to get hammered today. Um, I don't know if that helps, but sometimes going down to, to the downward spiral of your life, the only place you can go is up and you, you have to ask for help. And I did, I asked for help. I got a sponsor, worked the steps, and I continue to go to meetings like three times a week. So, what what's the process? And I, I don't want to sound redundant, but I, you know, a lot of, and maybe it's the veteran community in general. You know, we're all we've been shot at. You know, we've been on fire. We've been blown up. We're right. We're we're indestructible, even into our our gray years. Um, how do you get over? And I guess this can be applied to anything, you know, getting help, uh, psychological help or, or whatever. How do you get over that vulnerability to say, okay, uh, I'm broken. I need help. A lot of guys can't and girls can't allow themselves to be vulnerable like that. Let, uh, it, uh, yeah, no, I, I was like that too. I didn't want to ask for help. I didn't want any help. And you know what? Um, after, you know, after getting knocked down so many times, you're like, well, maybe this isn't working. Maybe I need to ask for help. Maybe somebody, you know, maybe I need to get a little humility and empathy in my life and actually get over myself, unscrew my feelings. Sorry. I was going to say the other thing, but I don't want to say that word on, you on can. the air. You Unfuck can your feelings. Yeah, we, <laughs> we say, can say that. Okay. Oh, yeah, fuck yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Unfuck your feelings. Go ask for help. Okay. It's, it's a hard thing, but you know what? Once you ask for help, the world opens up. I mean, so many people are at your, you know, you can call someone. I mean, you don't have to like be alone. You can always call someone like Mally. You can always call me. My phone is always on unless I'm sleeping or in a meeting, but you can always call me 615-490-5215. You have a problem. Give me a call. I love to solve it and love to talk to you. So real quick, uh, Shelby uh, Boaz on the, uh, through the Facebook chat asked, uh, can you share your app, Andrew? Uh, yes, it's um, I Am Sober app. Uh, go into the uh, the Play Store, and it says I Am Sober. And you put in your sober date, and then it gives you a countdown, how much money you've actually saved, which, by the way, I've saved like $45,000 since I stopped drinking. Holy mackerel. I know. I, I, I don't see it, but it goes it goes other places that actually are important in my life, which is weird. What? Let's talk. Uh, you always hear the term functional alcoholic, functional uh -huh. drug addict. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know who yeah, did that. I, I, I be one of those too. Okay. So, uh, again, I go to work, right? I drink at least four cups of coffee throughout the day. I like the caffeine. I like the taste. I don't smoke. It's my vice. Um, 
I, I heard someone said when this started, they're getting a dip or maybe a small, I don't know. Someone was getting that was something. Me. Yep. That was me. Okay. So uh, those are drugs and there is an addiction associated with those. Yes. Um, it's obviously functional. You're not going to find yourself in a gutter off a of caffeine or, or tobacco, although tobacco is so expensive nowadays. Yeah. Um, at, at what point, like, let's just say I can work fine with a bourbon, you know, at lunch. And I, I just like, just like I crave that cigarette, just like I crave, um, the, the coffee, I crave that bourbon when it comes to lunchtime and I drink it and I'm perfectly fine. I drive home and I'm a dad to my kids. What is that a problem? Is that, and I'm not saying that to me, I'm just saying, is that a problem? Hey, Mal, you want to answer that one? Yeah. So <clears throat> This is going to sound crazy. This comes straight out of the book, but it says, for reasons unknown to us, um, our, <laughs> know, our delusional mind will keep us so obscure from the fact that uh, we are an alcoholic. So basically what that says is, see, you you go to you go and have a bourbon at lunch. Me, I, um, I wake up, I have a drink. I get in the car, I have a drink. I <laughs> go to yep. lunch, I have a drink. I get home and deal with my kids for five minutes. Then I have a drink. Um, That's basically how it works for us is we don't have just one. No, no, we can't have Uh, just one. We can't have one. Because one's never enough. Sully, you said something in the beginning of the show about a guy that, that encourages people to go to the bar and drink, which I found very interesting. There is a thing in our book that says, if you don't think you're an alcoholic, go to the bar and try to have just one. Now, a lot of people are going to say, I can go to the bar and have just one. Okay. But try to have just one. And don't wait till 1.30 in the morning to, to, for last call to have one. Sit there and see if you can have just one. If it, This is how I knew I was an alcoholic and an addict. Okay? This is going to sound crazy, right? So my dad, um, my adopted dad, right? He, he used to drink like Killian's Red um, oh, beer, Killian's. right? He, he would drink half the bottle. And... and pour the rest down the drain. And that just baffled me. I, I couldn't yep. fathom. Why would you waste that beer? That's how I knew I was an alcoholic and a drug addict. Okay. Now, because hey, Mally, no- I totally agree. <laughs> My wife will have one glass of wine every single, well, every other night. And she, she only has like three sips. And then she, you know, then she pours it away. I'm like, why the fuck would you do that? Yeah, that's how I know I'm an alcoholic. That baffles us. Why would you do that? It, that's it, a, it baffles you. Good one. Here, here's a question: How many people do you think are out there unaware that they have a problem? More <sighs> than than we can probably count at this point. That's a good. That's a that's a good. Probably a lot. So now the qu- now my my question is is sorry, Ryan. Go ahead. I know this statistic. So ninety percent of your homeless veterans that are out in the community right now have a substance abuse problem. That's 90%. 90%. Wow. Okay. Of the homeless population that are veterans have a substance abuse problem. Dang. Yeah. That's, and I guess, horrible. I guess knowing, right. And, and admitting is the key thing too, because a lot of people might say they don't know, like, uh, I didn't know I had a problem, but I mean, I, I don't know if you guys are like me at all, but I beat the shit out of myself all the time mentally. Like, ah, I God do. damn it. Why did I do that? So, so I'm, I'm sure it's there. Like if you told, if you sat someone down and said, dude, you got a problem, it's not going to be like, what, where did this come from? I mean, he might bring it up. He might act like that, but yeah, I would assume that most people know deep down that's, that something isn't jiving. Right. Right. So, uh, so my, my next question is when you first got out, was your first thought 
fuck it, I got to drink myself or do drugs, get myself stupid. Was it, a, was it a mental thing or was it strictly a, like, I love the feeling. I love the taste. I love the high that it gives or the rush that it gives. All the above. When I got out, um, I drank for two years straight. I was a mess. I didn't care about anything. All I cared about was drinking. That's all I cared about. So my, my experience is a little bit different. So I had a uh, hip surgery in the Marine Corps. Um, and I got Percocet and I don't remember if anybody knows about 2010 when the DEA cracked down and all the pills and everything like that, Sully, and they were going after doctors because people were going to the doctors. Well, I had a doctor that was prescribing me Percocet. Well, one day I ran out of Percocet. <clears throat> My sister, who is a heroin addict, still is to this day, um, said to me, uh, you know, I said, I don't feel good. I feel really fluey. I don't, I don't feel well. She said, well, you're sick. And I said, no, I'm fine. I'm not sick. She said, no, you're dope sick. And I said, well, I don't do dope. So how could I be dope sick? And she said, well, do some of this heroin. And I bet you that you'll feel better. And so, of course, me feeling like shit, I said, okay, let me try some of this. It's my sister, someone I trust. Let me try some. So I did some. Guess what? I felt better. And that's, you know, I've heard a lot of people say that it has sports injury. A lot of guys in high school I went to high school with, they had a sports injury, got Roxy's, started off with the Roxy's, ended up doing heroin. So for me, it wasn't so much that I got out and started doing that. Um, it's more of a gradual, slippery slope. Now, the drinking, okay, when I got out, I was drinking and sniffing cocaine, but, you know, that wasn't a problem at the time to me. Um, that was like a normal thing to do, which is crazy to say, but, you know, that's what I thought people did at 21. I thought people drank and they sniffed Coke and that's what they did. I thought people had fun that way. And, you know, it wasn't until I was spending all my money and living on the streets that I realized like, that's not, that's not the way to go. You know? Yeah. What, what say you, Andrew? Um, so, I mean, I did, I did a lot of drinking after I got out. I mean, I had 27 of my friends die. Uh, we would battle Vermati in 06 we were in Carmen in 05. Uh, my dad committed suicide in 04 when I was in boot camp. Uh, let's see. Got divorced. Lost a kid. Um, yeah. And so just the hits from 2012, 2008 to like probably about two years ago, my life was shit. My life was horrible. Um, and drinking was my crutch. Um, I was good at it. Um, I was a fraternity guy in college before the Marine Corps. Um, and I was good at drinking. I was really good at drinking. And that was the only thing I was good at. It, it made me the life of the party. Um, and now I am now the life of the party, but I'm sober. And, um, you know, I go, you know, I'll, I'll go to the hikes. I'll see people drinking, you know, it's, it's good. It's great. You know, um, they're not probably alcoholics. They're probably, you know, having a good time. I can't do that. And I've realized this and it took me a long time that, I can't do that anymore. And drinking wouldn't make my life. It wouldn't make my life better when I was doing it. It made me a better pool player. It made me a better dart thrower. It made me a better chef. I was a chef for 10 years. I drank every day. I would, I would hide bottles of wine in the walk-in. Now I told Zach Jenkins this because he's a fellow chef. He knows exactly what I'm talking about. He doesn't do it, but I told him this, uh, but I had a real problem, but alcohol would make it better. But, it really wouldn't. It, it drained my bank account. It, um, it made me irascible. It made me angry. It made me 
Um, it made me just a horrible, horrible person. And now, um, well, I'm still a whole, I, I still think I'm a horrible person, but at least I'm sober. Uh, <laughs> Mally, can you yeah. recover without a program? Can you recover on your own? Uh, other people out there that are like, I had enough walking away from it. So, um, the definition of a person that can walk away from alcohol and has had enough is called a heavy drinker. That's not an alcoholic. Um, my opinion again, um, everybody I've seen that's tried to do it on their own has always went back to it. And, um, a lot of people don't make it back. They end up dying. And, uh, that's really sad. I mean, I've had over a hundred people, uh, overdoses die, car accidents, um, uh, things like that. So can you do it? I, I believe in this. I believe in outside therapy. I believe in the VA. I believe in a lot of things, right? So the VA for me, okay, they're not the fastest people in the world, but guess what? They've always, to me, looked out for my mental health. If you went to the VA emergency room and said, hey, I need mental health help, they're going to give it to you, whether you yep. want it or not. Um, fall under that as well. I guess a therapist is someone that you can bounce things off of, and that was really good for me in the beginning when I first got sober. And uh, I did that and um, that helped a lot. So, I mean, you can go to therapy and you can do things like that. You don't have to go to AA. I'm not telling you that AA is the end all and be all. Uh, I'm going to tell right. you that AA is the end all and be all. Hey, man, if you can put it down and leave it alone, that's great. To actually be in recovery, you have to work a program. Yep. That's the difference. See, sobriety, sober means I don't drink. So people can be sober. But when you're an alcoholic or a drug addict like I am, I have to have a program because given to my own devices, I will drink or I will yep. do drugs again. I have to have somebody else that's there for me to support me and say, Hey man, you're slipping. What's going on? You know? And I have that also in the IW family, Jeremy Russell, they know. And when I'm having a bad time to hit me up, Hey man, you all right? I had two friends pass away this last weekend, both in car accidents. One got hit by a car, one died in a car accident. Sorry, man. But Jeremy hit me up. Russell hit me up. Hey man, you doing all right? So those are the people. Okay. So you don't have a, program you don't go to aa but listen those are the same people that you should reach out to or reach out to you and say hey you doing all right man i've seen that you're uh you're slipping a little bit is that okay that's still in a sense a program it's just not aa or na not yeah is so there that's what, for me uh sorry i mean to cut you off real quick but that's that's how it was for me um when i said earlier i was doing a lot of drinking and stuff i guess i would consider myself a heavy drinker now i'm able to literally go to a bar and not have a drink or if i want to i can go and have one and not touch anymore and i can go home and be just fine and it took the the words of my daughter and friends going hey you're fucking up you need to stop that shit and so those those programs like you're talking about friends and groups outside of aa and medical support stuff system really help yeah the support right. system is, a, is huge yep you need it you, you if you and i agree with mally too um so i've seen some people you know just give it up and not go to meetings that is, you know, that's like a unicorn. Um, I, I don't see it that often, but it does happen. Um, but if you don't have a good support system, if you don't have a mentor, you don't have a sponsor, you don't have whatever friends that can call you up and be like, hey, how you doing? Um, you're slipping, just like Mally said. If you don't have a good support system, then you're going to fall back into your old ways. Is, um, I guess the question would be, it, it seems like the path to some sort of substance abuse is first you have it, right? First you try it. Uh, then I guess this, it's kind of tricky to word this, which 
Can you be addicted just physically? You take something, you try it, you're physically addicted. You're like, I like that feeling. I want to feel that again. And then when I don't have it, I feel like shit. So now I have to keep having it versus not addressing the underlying cause, whatever that is, uh, uh, an anxiety disease, post-traumatic stress, um, family issues, whatever it is. Are these two sides of the same coin? Are they separate? Does, and when you go through recovery, do they have to figure out what your trigger is and why you're doing that? There so, is, uh, there is an, I'm uh, sorry, Matt. Do you want to go ahead? Yeah, I'll, I'll speak on that if you want me to. Okay. So no, go ahead. Is, um, when you do the steps in AA or a program, right, you get to the source of everything. Um, a big thing for this step one, surrender. Surrender. Um, hey, Marines out there, right? We don't do that. So I'm going to read quick. Not that I think that I know any more than anybody else. I had this therapist who was an Army Ranger badass who told me his command said the definition of surrender was to attack in a different direction. Never give up. It helped me often. It's a buddy of mine that had passed away. He told me that. So in our steps, you have a six and seven step. That's your character defects, right? So I have every character Character's defects. I'm a, guess what? I was a horse thief with alcohol, but guess what I am without the alcohol? I'm still a horse thief. Yep. So therefore, I'm still that person. So you get to go through those underlying things. Um, the fourth step is about uh, More, um, your moral inventory. Right. Give me a moral inventory, right? What have I done wrong in my life and who have I wronged? And why have I wronged them? And what is my part in it? And when you start to see your part in things, oh, I can't blame that person anymore because guess what? You know what? I, I bring this up because it's a big thing in my life, but all right. So sexual abuse, being a child, right? What part do I have in that? I'm a child. The part that I have in it is guess what? I still hold that resentment to this day and I'll get messed up over it. Right. It happened. I'm not going to let it go. I'm not going to forget about it. I'm not going to forgive anybody, but guess what? My part is that I didn't have a part. My part is being angry so many years later for a lot of us. We have abandonment issues. We have, Abuse, physical. I had physical abuse. I had abandonment issues. That mom I talked about that was an addict. I felt like she abandoned me, right? So I held her resentment forever. I was mad at her for a long time. And guess what? When I was four years old, she gave me my aunt and my uncle and probably gave me the best opportunity I ever had in my life. I still turned up being how I was. But we do that. Um, the sixth and seventh. You can look up on your phone a list of character defects. There's 167 that pop up immediately, I think. And it'll tell you pride, sloth, envy, greed, lust. Uh, those things out of the Bible, same thing um, if you want to do that. But they'll Seven tell you, deadly sins. They'll tell you other things, though, too. You know what? Um, so my addiction isn't just drugs and alcohol. Guess what? My addiction is I like to spend money. My addiction is Red Bull. My addiction is this. My addiction is that. But it also has things on there that will tell you a lot about yourself. And once you know who yourself is um, – because this thing up here will mess you up more than anything. Your yep. thinking, your stinking thinking is what we call it. But think, think, think. <laughs> our, our thinking is God. upside down. So the underlying issues, though, like you said, if you go to a therapist, you'll do the same thing. You'll get to the underlying issue. That will help. The thing is, you still have to practice your morals every day and say, is that a good thing to do or is that a bad thing to do? You know what? Should I be stealing from these people to get drugs? Probably not. So that's probably a bad thing to do. Should that's, I lie to That sounds like step thinking? 10 to me. That is step 10. That's exactly what it is. So yeah, uh, basically you've, if you think you've wronged someone, apologize, um, you know, say you're wrong. Um, step 10 is that's, that's your check. That's your check every single day. Step 12, pass that on to the next person. I mean, try to save the next person that is suffering that like you were, that's, that's step 12. So 
it's just it's a it's a cycle and yes we do get underlying stuff taken care of but you got to keep on working on yourself because we are it's perf- uh, it's progress not perfection not perfection what what is the prognosis of uh, substance abuse because uh, and I guess well, like what I'm the asking DSM, is, like the DSM. Like oh no, that, that's diagnosis. No, no, no. Prognosis meaning, um, okay, uh, I, I'm a drug addict and an alcoholic. Uh, in 20 years, you know what? What is the average drug and alcoholic drug user and alcoholic? Uh, like, what's their recovery rate? You know, is it is it a good prognosis? Is it a concerning prognosis? Like, if I had a friend who had a a brain tumor, I would say, you know, like, looked at the prognosis. You look at numbers and you say, oh, I don't know, you got like a fifty percent chance over ten years. Um, so, what is the prognosis? Or you might not even know. I, I'm so I do know. Um, hey, Mal, yeah. What's that thing that they say? Um, <laughs> you're more likely if you don't go to a meeting or something like that. You're more likely to go back out and. What, what, uh, I can't remember what page that's on. So there's actually um, three out of every hundred people recover is what we call oh, it. Stay wow. sober, right? So out of those three, right, there's a hundred, three people out of a hundred. That's a lot of people. That's a 3% chance that you're going to survive. If you keep going to meetings, guess what? My sponsor likes to tell me this. All right. You drink, there's your 50%. You don't drink, there's your other 50%. You're at a 50-50 chance now. 50% and 50%. I like to think about it like that because 3% is not, it's very gloomy. It's very dark. Yeah, sure. Right? Horrible but either, I, either I get messed up or I don't. And now I have a 50, 50% chance. 50%. Do you, do you worry about it? Do you concern yourself about it? Or, or do you take one day at a time? <laughs> I, one day at a time, baby. I don't worry myself about it anymore. You know what? Uh, the crazy thing is, so we're at the IW hikes, right? People are drinking all around me. It doesn't bother me. It really doesn't. You know, if they want to have fun and do that, that's that's their decision. My decision is not to. And, you know, okay, so I'll tell you this. I don't go in the middle of the hood anymore. You know, I don't just, <laughs> at three in the morning, I, I mean, I don't do that. I don't hang around people that aren't in recovery. That's a big thing. I don't go to uh, people, places, and things is what we call them, right? I don't hang out with those people I was getting high with. I don't go to the places I used to get high at, and I don't do the things that I used to do when I was getting high. Lie, cheat, steal. I try not to do those today. So the, um, the prognosis, like I said, is 50-50, really. Now, sometimes I have to go to a VFW meeting, and some of the VFWs, they have bars. There is a spot in our big book that we both read. If you have a legitimate reason for being there, be there just for that reason, and then leave. I would go to the VFW, drink a coffee, have a meeting, and then get out of there just because I don't want to. I don't want to be hanging around there. I mean, I don't know. That's just me. It says we don't stray away from from those those bars. We don't stray away from bars or the people that used to be about them, like weddings, stuff like that. Yeah. But today I have right. If I'm if I'm one day sober, I'm not going to tell you to go to the bar. Hey, hang out with your friends at the bar. You're, be sober. That's not going to work. It just doesn't. Yeah. Uh, once you have worked the steps and you're in recovery, because before you actually do the 12 steps, you're in this, this mode of what I like to call discovery. Discovery. Right? Nice. You're discovering who you are. You're discovering what, what those underlying things were. You're discovering everything about yourself, the character defects. And once you know yourself, you're a very powerful weapon. Your mind is the most powerful weapon you can have. And you know what? And when you discover yourself, you can actually move on and you can love other people. 
you love yourself, you discover yourself, you can actually give that love to other people outside after you've worked the steps, after you've found out about yourself, then you can move on and be like, oh, okay. And then people will like, people will be drawn to you. Like people are drawn to Mally. People, people call me all the time asking for help. Um, two years ago, I was like, why the fuck are you calling me? I don't have any of the fucking answers. But now people call me all the time. My wife wants me to sh like throw my phone away. Like stop taking phone calls. We're trying to sleep. That's how I am. I, I just, I have to help the next person. The word would be insatiable, right? Yeah. Oh. I can never have enough. Right. That's so good. Recovery. Good I SAT word, Mally. Good SAT word. <laughs> Let's, um, I want to, I guess, kind of wrap it up with this one, and, and this one might get a little political. Why do you think, as an American society, we criminalize this behavior versus, you know, uh, yeah, you'd probably be sober, you might be sober if you're locked up in prison for six months, but it's not addressing the issue, right? So why do we criminalize it? This isn't a criminal thing. This is a mental health thing, and this is a sickness. So other countries, if you look at Germany, you look at Sweden, you look at Norway, right? The prisons are called rehabilitation centers, and the reason that they are rehabilitation centers is because they want to rehabilitate people, right? The United States prison system is nothing more than money. That's what it's about. Um, but they do, I will tell you this, right? Except for serious offenses, you can pretty much get into a drug treatment program. So I'm going to tell you the statistics on that. One out of every thousand people graduate drug treatment, right? So – if you don't Holy want to shit. know what you're doing, one out of a thousand, that it's is like a 0.01% that you will complete a drug treatment. The Veterans Court, uh, Veteran Treatment Court, um, I tried to do that before. I, my, my record is a little bit different. Uh, you can't have a violent offense, so I have an aggravated assault for uh, fighting. And um, you, can't, you can't do Veterans Court. But if I could have went through that, I think the percentage there is a 16% I think that's what it is. Sixteen percent. A little know. bit better. Is it? Yeah. But and I, I know in Georgia it's sixteen percent. I think in North Carolina it might be twenty-eight percent. Well, I report. Well, I graduated with. Uh, I'm not going to tell you his name, but I graduated in February, uh, February nineteenth. I graduated Veterans Treatment Court <laughs> with a guy who I graduated with. He just got his fourth DUI in April, so the recid the recidivism for Veterans Treatment Court. It's a little, it's high, but it's, um, I don't know. It's just because alcohol is so easily available. It's just, it's so easy to, to do that, break the cycle. But you've like, a, you know, you've got to work on it. You've got to work, you know, you've got to work your program every single day because if you slack up one minute second, you're going to go get another DUI. This guy can't drive for like eight years. And I stood tail, uh, toe to toe with him in the courtroom and graduating um, and getting a handshake from the judge who is also a veteran, but he is, he's in jail right now for a long time because it's his fourth UI. It's a federal offense in Tennessee. Well, good job using a five syllable word there. I know you guys are Marines and it was, um, he, he I, lost yeah, hey, hey, I mean, guess, you all came you know to the Air I, Force. You know where I learned that word in veterans treatment court. Oh, there you go. <laughs> there you go. Um, my last question, which I totally I had it written down and I totally just freaking forgot it. Um, no, I do know it. Uh, okay. So I'm, I'm watching this podcast. I'm on a hike, wherever, uh, maybe just yourself. You're like, ah, I, I, I think I need to do something. Where, where do you begin? 
Um, I know I'm going to put a link on this show and I'll put a link down below um, to the DOD. In fact, I'll do it uh, as you guys are answering uh, the DOD um, substance abuse help, I guess, website, mental health website. Uh, but, the, but, yeah. but where, where, where can people even begin? Um, Mally, you wanna, yeah. you, you've got all the, you've got all the facts right now. So <laughs> I don't have shit. Um, no, hey man, you got some pretty good numbers coming out there. Um, so what you can do is there's an app on, um, uh, on your app store or Google play. It's called meeting finder. It'll actually, Ooh, yeah, good one. um, it'll give you all the meetings, what times they are and all that stuff. Um, if you are having a mental health emergency, of course, there's always the 1-800 number. Um, I like to tell people that the shit, what's the other number? 811? The 877? Yeah, so that's not in in service right now. That won't be done until twenty twenty three. So you can oh that one, yeah, okay. Uh, the star, um, so you can do that as well. They'll they'll help you out. the The veteran suicide hotline actually isn't always for suicide. Um, if you're drinking yourself to death and you need to go somewhere, they will get you in somewhere. They'll come get you. Um, so you can do that. You can go to the VA emergency room. They will also do that. A lot of people say, "Well, they're going to take my guns away. They're going to do this." They're not. They're um, not going to do that. They're not going to do that unless you have some really serious harm to other people, homicidal thoughts. Yep. Um, my phone number is 984-389-7590. Nudes are always welcome. I'm just kidding. Oh, okay. come on. Dudes, come on. They are always welcome. Always. <laughs> but, Dick, uh, and, Dick and picks just like Mally. what Mally said, um, you guys can call me anytime. Um, I'm actually in a master's program for addiction counseling. And Matt and Mally and I are both doing a peer certified resource specialist. Um, I just applied for it three weeks ago. Mally, how's that going for you? So I actually haven't started yet. Um, but okay. class, it's for peer support specialists. There's six uh, peer support specialists in Raleigh, North Carolina out of, I don't know what the population is here. Yeah. There's hardly any over here. Too. Uh, but so there's that, um, there's, if you want to look up rehabilitations, uh, Bridges of Hope in Georgia. This is going to sound so crazy, but I went to Bridges of Hope. It's like boot camp on steroids for AA. I hear that's a good one. It helped me tremendously. Um, in the military crisis line, 800-273-8255. You know, Press 1 if you're a veteran. Um, like I said, does not have to always be about suicide. Um, so there's that. You can go to any local hospital and tell them that you're having a mental health emergency or a substance abuse emergency. There's also, if you look up detox centers near me, right? Or so, a, yeah. Yeah. So a lot of these places, people say like, oh, I can't go to detox because it's going to cost me money and this and that. So detox centers in Raleigh, North Carolina, um, that actually don't cost anything. Um, so if you're in Raleigh, Healing Transitions, uh, Wakebrook. Um, if you don't have the money to pay, they will literally detoxify you. If you go to any hospital, there's a CIT. Is that what it's called? Anyway, what it is is basically if you're withdrawing off of drugs or alcohol, they will actually keep you in the hospital for three days. In this, oh yeah, the Baker Act from uh, yeah, yeah, well that Baker yeah. Act. It's actually a specific part of the hospital is for mental health and substance abuse that they will actually put you up in. Um, you're going to be on a 72 hour lockdown. Um, which is which I was in in 2009. They Baker acted me in Georgia. Baker acted uh, seven times. Oh so, my god! Awesome. Way to go, dude. Way to go. <laughs> I'm a fucking mental health nutcase. Listen, when I when I get off <laughs> my meds, 
Um, I got PTSD, not non-combat, but mm. I've been through combat on the streets, if you want to call it that. You know, shootings, deaths. Um, I have he is also r- real quick. He's a well, he's a wealth of knowledge, and I'm not going to say the name just because of personal reasons. We had a veteran reach out to me uh, a couple days last week, sometime, and I the fir- first person I knew, especially in our area, was a contact Mally. And it, it went from like, I'm ready to be done. I'm ready to fucking either eat a bullet or whatever, whatever was going on with him to holy shit. <clears throat> My life is like, I have a wealth of knowledge. People responded quickly. And this guy just knows everything. Plus his family knows everybody. So that helps too. <laughs> um, but it went from like, like that go from being, <clears throat> being rock bottom to going right to the top of a moment just, of clarity and so moment of clarity you never know who knows what until you reach out that's true um and if you have any problems in tennessee please give me a call um you know i'm like i said my phone is always open um and i i want to help the next person so that's that's my that's my thing in life is pay, uh, paying it forward May maximum service to God and others about us. And I, I, I feel like, you know, we've been going over an hour now. I gotta, we, we gotta wrap it we up. Have like one hour and 12 minutes. I feel like we just, we just kind of scratched a little bit of the surface there. I mean, we could go on for hours and hours and we'll have you guys back on. I mean, there's no reason not to oh, um, maybe have please, some other thank folks. You. That would be yeah, great. Yeah. Thank you. But, we'll follow but, up, yeah. I really, really appreciate it. I'm sure everyone who listened appreciated um, the fact that you guys opened up because, I mean, the, the biggest thing, and it's one of the the reasons why I loved having Rudy Reyes on, right? Because what do we think of Rudy? He's like a stud. He's a he's killer. A he's, yeah, he's, he's awesome. He's a warrior monk. But he will open up about his brokenness better than anyone in the world and show his vulnerable side better than anyone. And when you do that, it normalizes the shit that we go through, yep. right? It normalizes feeling pain. It normalizes feeling, uh, grief and, and there's another word, uh, uh shame and all that stuff. And when other people are say, Hey, look, this is normal and you can get through it. I think it helps out so, so much. So thank you guys for, for sharing your hey, stories. Thank you, Kevin. Thank you, Jeremy. Thanks for coming on, man. Awesome. All right, guys. Uh, Jeremy, we'll keep you on for a couple more minutes while we wrap yeah. this up. Um, next, we already went over the hikes. Do you want? Know did yeah. I plug? Did I plug the the opening music? I think I'm no, supposed to. Oh shit! So the opening right, uh, music was "Time Machine" by the artist Pogo. Now Pogo used to do music for my old podcast. Wait, what if? That's why I said it at the beginning because it was in my head, um, and I used the intro to that. That's why I did it. Um, Pogo, go over to pogomusic.net or just go onto YouTube and, and put in Pogo. His music's really really cool. So uh, I, I'll, I'll play a little bit as we're we're going out here and see if you if you identify what the um, what the music is. It's not really the music. Listen to the, the way they're talking in the background. Can you hear it? You probably can't hear it. Damn it. <laughs> you will. Give me a second here. Here we go. One, two, three, four, and play. Share audio. So what he does is he takes movies, right? Um, Disney movies. He takes old movies, and he sets them all to music. And this is set to... Um, Back to the Future. Really cool artist. Uh, he's actually blowing up, and uh, I'm glad that I got him when he was early so he could use his music and not spend $400 million on it. Uh, right. Our next episode will be coming out 
one week. <laughs> so we're yeah. going to, and this part always screws me up because I like to be able to say what's coming up. Right. Monday, you're going to hear this exact show. So if you're hearing it now, thank you for listening. And if you are not hearing it now, listen to it on Monday. <laughs> uh, following that, we have um, uh, Navy SEAL Brett Brent Gleason. He had kind of a cool story. He's an author. Uh, he actually went through class 235, which everyone knows class 234 was the Discovery Channel Navy SEAL class. Um, so he went through class 235, the one right after that. He was actually the one where, where uh, one of the members had died from edema in his lungs doing the, the swim. So he's got, a, he's got a really cool story. Following that, if I'm correct, we'll have another um, soup sandwich, uh, which I, we, we got to get some people on. So reach out, Kevin at 21gun.net. Um, Jacksonville oh, hike. Jacksonville hike. Yes, that's on the 5th. Yep. Is that right? Okay. Um, Jerry share. So Jerry share isn't a veteran, but she, um, you know, I'm kind of opening up that, 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 uh, I guess, spectrum of people that we can interview. Uh, she is a veterans advocate and she made a movie called quiet explosions, which I've talked about a lot. Uh, it's about, uh, Andrew Marr. It's about my doctor, Dr. Mark Gordon and the advancements in a traumatic brain injury. And her, the, the film is phenomenal. It's going to be available, I think mid October, um, for download. And, and if you're, here's the thing, and this comes from a medical provider and from someone, uh, who is uh, diagnosed with TBI. If you were diagnosed with PTSD, it could be, in fact, there's a big chance that it is, uh, attributed to some sort of traumatic brain injury and whether that is repetitive concussion, whether that is one concussion, maybe just got knocked out. Maybe you played football in high school, took a lot of hits and then went through the military and had nothing happen to you, but you're still having these issues. Right. Um, so, so it, the, the beauty of it is when we go through the VA, we get all our, our drugs and you feel like shit and you're really not getting better. Uh, this is a, it, it healed me. I went from being, and I'm getting redundant cause this is, I went over this on my podcast, uh, my episode, but, uh, I went from being 10% of who I was when I went to the air force of that to right now I'm easily at 95% closing in on hundred percent, the guy I was when I was 25. So, or 24, however old I was when I, when I joined up. So uh really cool story. I can't wait to get her on. Um, It'd be cool to see long snapper NFL long snapper. God damn it. I can't remember his name. He was a green beret. He's going to be coming on. We got a lot of cool guests coming up. So I'm looking forward to that. A lot of filmmakers too. Um, Lionhearted, just go on to YouTube, look up Lionhearted. Actually, Rudy Reyes does a really cool uh, interview for, for that um, movie. I'm going to have, uh, I think his name is Shane Ruiz. I'm going to have him on. Um, so a lot of, a lot of cool interviews coming up. So I don't know, Jeremy, you got anything to, to close this out with? All I got to say is though, if you like just the most power we have is the power of our voice. And the only thing we can do that is talk to each other, you know, reach out, just don't be strangers to each other. That's the whole, the whole point of this is if you're fighting, fight hard and don't stop. Awesome. Awesome good way to to end it and we'll go out with a little pogo and we will see you guys at the next episode two weeks or whatever <laughs>